Hi ladies, welcome back to the Full Disclosure Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about, in my opinion, one of the biggest victories that we won um, pertaining to women's rights, and that is the Roe versus Wade case. Um, I know you've heard of it, but you may not know exactly um, what it's about because I don't remember ever learning it in um, school, but it is about abortion. Um, Now, I'm going to start off by saying that we are allowed to have our own opinions and our own values and our own faith, and we should respect it, and I respect it. Um, I believe that women and their bodies, they have the right to decide what to do with their own body. Um, It's a body they live with, and they should have the right um, to decide how to take care of that body, um, anything that does with the body. Um, Now, I may not have the same opinion as some of you who may be listening, but that doesn't mean I don't respect you or love you or look at you any less. Um, It's okay. We have to learn that our opinions and our differences shouldn't make us hate one another. Um, you know, I look at somebody, I have known a few people who have had abortions and I don't look at them any less. I still have respect for them. I still care about them and I still love them. Um, it was just their decision and I don't have anything to say, um, for their decision because it was solely their decision. Um, and we shouldn't have an opinion on other people's decisions. So I'm going to kind of dive into Roe versus Wade a little bit, um, just to kind of give you some background. Um, So Roe versus Wade was a landmark legal decision issued on January 22nd, 1973, in which the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Texas statute banning abortion, effectively legalizing the procedure across the United States. The court held that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Prior to Roe v. Wade, abortion had been illegal throughout much of the country since the late 19th century. Roe v. Wade has proved controversial and Americans remain divided in their support for a woman's right to choose an abortion. Since the 1973 ruling, many states have imposed restrictions restrictions on abortion rights. I'm going to kind of talk about abortion before Roe versus Wade, just so you can kind of get an idea of um, the progress that we have made. Um, So until the late 19th century, abortion was legal in the United States before quickening. Quickening is the point at which a woman could feel first, first feel movements of the fetus, typically around the fourth month of pregnancy. Some of the early regulations related to abortion were enacted in the 1820s and 1830s and dealt with the sale of dangerous drugs that women used to induce abortions. Despite these regulations and the fact that the drugs sometimes proved fatal to women, they continued to be advertised and sold. In the late 1850s, the newly established American Medical Association began calling for the criminalization of abortion, partly in an effort to eliminate doctors' competitors such as midwives and um, and homeopaths. Um, additionally, some 
Um, nativists, uh, alarmed by the country's growing population of immigrants, were anti-abortion because they feared declining birth rates among white American-born Protestant women. In 1869, the Catholic Church banned abortion at any stage of pregnancy, while in 1873, Congress passed the um, Comstock Law, which made it illegal to distribute contraceptives and abortion-inducing drugs throughout the U.S. mail. By the 1880s, abortion was outlawed across most of the country. During the 1960s, during the women's right movement, court cases involving contraceptives laid the groundwork for Roe v. Wade. In 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a law banning the distribution of birth control to married couples, ruling that the law violated their implied right to privacy under the U.S. Constitution. And in 1972, the Supreme Court struck down a law prohibiting the distribution of contraceptives to unmarried adults. Meanwhile, in 1970, Hawaii became the first state to legalize abortion, although the law only applied to the state's residents. That same year, New York legalized abortion with no residency requirements. By the time of Roe v. Wade in 1973, abortion was also legally available in Alaska and Washington. Now, here is the lady. Her name is Jane Rowe. Um, in 1969, Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her early 20s, sought to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. McCorvey, who had grown up in difficult, impoverished circumstances, previously had given birth twice and given up both children for adoption. At the time of McCorvey's pregnancy in 1969, abortion was legal in Texas, but only for the purpose of saving a woman's life. While American women with the financial means could obtain abortions by traveling to other countries where the procedure was safe and legal, or pay a large fee to a U.S. doctor willing to secretly perform an abortion, those options were out of reach to McCorvey and many other women. As a result, some women resorted to illegal, dangerous, back-alley abortions or self-induced abortions. In the 1950s and 1960s, the estimated number of illegal abortions in the United States ranged from 200,000 to 1.2 million per year, according to Guttmacher Institute. After trying unsuccessfully unex to get an illegal abortion, McCorvey was referred to Texas attorneys Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, who were interested in challenging anti-abortion laws. In court documents, McCorvey became known as Jane Roe. Here's some background about Henry Waite. In 1970, the attorneys filed a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey and all the other women who were or might become pregnant and want to consider all options against Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas County, where McCorvey lived. Earlier in 1969, Wade was in the national spotlight when he prosecuted Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, the assassin of President John F. Kennedy. And here's a little bit of background about the Supreme Court ruling. Um, in June 1970, a Texas district court ruled that the state's abortion ban was illegal because it violated a constitutional right to privacy. Afterward, Wade declared he continued to prosecute doctors who performed abortions. The case eventually was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. Meanwhile, M McCorvey gave birth and put the child up for adoption. On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court, in a 7-2 decision, struck down the Texas law banning abortion, effectively 
legalizing the procedure nationwide. In a majority opinion written by Justice Harry Blackmun, the, the court declared that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment. The court divided pregnancy into three trimesters and declared that the choice to end a pregnancy in the first trimester was solely up to the woman. In the second trimester, the government could regulate abortion, although not ban it, in order to protect the mother's health. In the third trimester, the state could prohibit abortion to protect a fetus that could survive on its own outside the womb, except when a woman's health was in danger. Legacy of Roe v. Wade Norma McCorvey maintained a low profile following the court's decision, but in the 1980s, she was active in the abortion rights movement. However, in the mid-1990s, after becoming friends with the head of an anti-abortion group and converting to um, Catholicism, she turned into a vocal opponent of the procedure. Since Roe v. Wade, many states have imposed restrictions that weaken abortion rights, and Americans remain divided over support for a woman's right to choose an abortion. So that's kind of a background about how I think this is probably one of the big successes that we have when it comes to women's rights. Um, Now, unfortunately, um, today's battle for equal rights for women is less about inequality before the law than it is about the image of women in society. Um, We are equal before the law, but not equal in the eyes of other people. Um, this is sad and not right. Um, you know, in a lot of ways through law, we are equal, but when it comes to society and people in general, for some reason, women are still not equal. And that's not just saying from the man's perspective, it's also saying from the women's perspective also, Um, I kind of want to talk about some ways that women are still, um, aren't equal to men. This list is kind of long, but we are making progress in each of these categories. Um, now this is a really interesting one and I did not pay attention to this until I saw this and I actually went to the store and actually looked at this. And this is what I want you to do too, if you don't already know. But women pay more for common household items, such as deodorant, um, shampoo, things like that. So next time you're in a grocery store or Target or a Walmart, go to the women's aisle, shampoo aisle, um, deodorant aisle, whatever aisle that's specifically geared towards women, and then go to the opposite aisle or the same aisle in the men's section and look at the price differences. It could be the same brand. It just says men on the bottle. It is going to be cheaper. Why? Why are we paying more for things, for the same things that men are using? Just because it has the word men. I've used men deodorant, it works the same. Yeah, it has more manly smells, but if you look at the ingredients in the back, it's the the exact same thing. Um, Obviously, this is a no-brainer. Women make less money than men. Um, But then when we come down to um, race for Black and Hispanic women, the pay gap is even worse. Um, Women are underrepresented in government. Now, this is crazy. Out of 195 countries, only 
29 countries currently have women serving as head of state or government as of November 29th of 2019. 29 countries out of 195. That is crazy. And those 29 countries are successful, successful countries. Whereas America, unfortunately, I love you, but we are slacking. Um, women are the minority in the executive suite. Obviously, you don't see a lot of women CEOs, but like I said, we are making progress in all these areas. So we are seeing more and more women as the years go on. Um, women are a minority in the news media and tech sector. Um, when women enter male-dominated industries, um, the pay decreases. Female entrepreneurs receive less funding and investments from the government. Um, women shoulder still shoulder more of the household burden. Um, women are far more likely to be victims of human trafficking. If you listen to my um, previous episode about human trafficking, I do go over some of that. Um, female soldiers face rape and harassment more than um male in the military. Um, women are at greater risk for rape and domestic violence. Um, retired women and women in poverty are twice as likely than men to live in poverty. Um, women in Hollywood aren't given the same opportunities as men in the industry and the pay is not the same. Now we all know this because there have been some actresses that have come out saying, you know, I'm not going to do this until I get paid the same. Um, and this is still a biggie. Women who are in sports still face gender inequality. As we know, the NBA versus the WNBA, there is a difference in, um, pay in the NBA men get paid millions. Whereas in the WNBA women get paid in thousands. Um, and you know, we are making progress, but these are just some of the ways that we're still facing inequality. Um, now we all have heard about, um, feminism, but did you know that there are four types of feminism? This I did not know. I just knew about liberal or mainstream feminism, which is, um, the focus on achieving gender equality within the framework of liberal democracy and through political and legal, um, reform. This one we all know. But there are three others. I had no idea. There is the socialist feminism. This rose in the 1960s and 70s as an offshoot of the feminist movement and new left that focuses upon the interconnectivity of the patriarchy and capitalism. Um, Socialist feminism argued that liberation can only be achieved by working both economic and cultural sources of women's oppression. And then we have the Marxist um, feminism. Now, we all heard about Karl Marx in school. We learned about him. Um, this is a philosophical variant of feminism that incorporates and extends the Marxist theory. Um, it analyzes um, the ways in which women are exploited through capitalism and the individual ownership of property. For the longest time, women were not able to own any type of property. Um, and then we have radical feminism. Now, we all know some women who are very radical and there's nothing wrong with that but this is a perspective within feminism that calls for radical reordering of society in which 
male supremacy is eliminated in all social and economic contexts while recognizing that women's experiences are also affected by other social divisions such as race, class, and sexual orientation. Now, the reason why I'm not a radical feminist is because I don't want to eliminate um, male supremacy. I want us to be on an equal scale. I feel like that is how we're going to balance things out. We can't have one gender being supreme over the other. We have to have to be equal in order for us to succeed. That is just my opinion. Um, some other current as of today, I feel like is really important about some other women issues, um, is child marriage. Now this, so much doesn't happen in the United States um, and not so much in Europe either, depending on some of the countries, but um, in Africa and some other countries, um, it's still an issue. Domestic violence, obviously, is such a huge, huge issue still today. Domestic workers, um, gender equality, sexual violence, rape, labor rights in the garment industry, women in um, armed conflict, and women's health in FGM, which is female genital mutilation. FGM does not happen in the United States. Um, And it does not happen in most of Europe, um, but it does happen a lot in the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and some countries in Europe, um, some of the Eastern countries. And um, in those countries... Um, that FGM is almost like a badge of honor, um, just due to their religion. Um, it's crazy. I was researching FGM and it does get graphic, but if you want to educate yourself, um, and learn about this because I did not know this was a thing. Some people compare it to, um, you know, when you have a male baby in a hospital of getting, of choosing that baby to have a circumcision or not. Um, that is a little different than FGM. Um, you know, um, we do circumcisions, um, on males for more of cleanliness, if anything, whereas FGM, you're totally, um, what they do is they, I'm going to get a little graphic. I'm so sorry, guys, but I just want to kind of give you a little blurb of what FGM is. And they take a, um, a soft edge like blade and they cut the clitoris off. Um, sometimes they burn the vulva, um, and they do anything and everything. Um, so a woman cannot have a baby. And then reading this, sometimes I wonder, how are they even supposed to go pee? But I don't know. I didn't dive too much into that because I saw pictures and I was reading it and I just got really, really sad and pissed off. Um, now, what kind of wanna go, I want to go back to abortion because if Roe versus Wade ever gets overturned, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there are things called trigger laws. Um, and trigger laws um, happen in the states of Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Dakota, and Utah. And that is they will ban abortions in first and second trimesters. Now, this is if somebody ever contests 
uh, if the U.S. Supreme Court ever overturns Roe versus Wade. I don't foresee that happening at all, ever, but just so you know, um, abortion is legal, of course, in all 50 states and have at least one abortion clinic. Now, a lot of these clinics are called Planned Parenthood. Um, that is the majority of where the abortions are done. Um, and sometimes people have to go to a different state to get um, an abortion because either that clinic is closer in that other state than the state that they're in. Sometimes the, uh, these abortion clinics are in the littlest town you've never heard of. I don't know why they put these abortion clinics there, um, but they're not easy accessible for some people. Um, now, I kind of want to just talk about some of the experiences I've had about uh, with women inequality and, you know, I have been working in places where, especially in a lot of like, um, like retail jobs where, you know, working in some of these name brand stores, you know, the men can get away with wearing like a t-shirt and sweats, but the girls would have to wear something tight, um, something tight fitting. Why am I, the excuse I was always given by my superiors was that, you know, we're trying to sell the brand. But then when I would say like, well, he's wearing Nike and we're working in like gap. Why, how is that selling the brand? That's misrepresenting. That's a whole different brand. So how is me wearing tight stuff going to sell our clothes? your discounts and your name should be able to sell those clothes on its own without me having to dress like a hooker to sell that. You know, um, a lot of these places where I've interviewed for or worked at, you know, they want you to look presentable. Um, and then when the men come into work, they just look like trash. Their beard is not shaven. Their breast smells. Their clothes are disheveled. But then women, if you don't... Now, some jobs are more relaxed. But some of the jobs I've worked at, if you don't have a full face of makeup, if your hair is in a messy bun, um, you know, you have to wear a full face of makeup. If your hair is in a bun, you have to take it out and put your hair down. Um, you know, you can't wear certain things but then for the man it's okay if they wear them and so it's just a lot of stuff like that um not being paid the same versus my male co-workers seeing their paycheck and it's like well we got hired this the same time but i have more experience than you how are you getting paid more doesn't make any sense um and it's just like things like that you know um in relationships or with talking with men you know, they always have like this, oh, well, you said this fact, well, prove it to me. Why do I have to prove to you what I'm saying? Because I'm a woman and I don't know my shit. You know, like, it wasn't until I was like, oh yeah, you just told me that fact, pull me up a statistic, show me that article. And then they're like, oh, are you calling me dumb? Like they get offended. So like, there's a lot of things, you know, now this is a small scale of women inequality. This is just, I'm just, this is just, you know, a daily base of reoccurrence. Um, I'm interested in hearing if you guys have experienced any gender inequality, um, whether you're a man or a woman listening, I know men can sometimes face it too, but, um, 
I don't know how they face it. It'd be interesting to hear that on a man's perspective, if they've ever faced that. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, we're making, we still have so much progress left, you know, and it's all about their perspective. It's all about society. We as the people, why are we still looking at women as less? Why? Women do, women make miracles. Women give birth. Women, you know, whether we can have kids or not, whether we have stepkids, whether we're raising somebody else's kids, we are amazing. If not better than men in ways and aspects, you know, I believe a woman can do anything a man can do if she puts her mind to it. You know, obviously we have to work a little harder, but if we're willing to work, I believe we can accomplish anything that a man can do, you know, just because a man has a dick, has testosterone, doesn't mean shit. To me, it does not mean shit at all. Um, And it's not just men versus women inequality. It's about race. It's about sexual orientation. You know, we are all the same. We are all humans humans we come from the same dna if if it boils when it boils down to it we come from the same dna guys our dna has just been mixed over and over generations but we're human we are human it doesn't matter what class what social class you're in what race you are what sexual orientation what you do as a job what gender you are we're all human and we all deserve the same rights because we're human basic human rights and i don't believe we can change until we all come together and realize that and start loving one another for who they are on the inside not what they look like on the outside not what they sound like you know not It just bugs me, you know? We need to stop being so judgmental. I don't, I don't get it. If there's an ounce of difference between two people, those people hate each other. There are differences. It's okay to be different. We are all unique in our individual ways. That doesn't make us less human. That doesn't make us less deserving. I don't understand. I'm going to wrap up this episode saying no matter who you are out there, we have to come together. We have to work together. We have to accept one another for who we are and we have to make changes. You know, we have to raise our voices because if we sit in silence, nothing's going to change. When we raise our voices, that's when we start seeing change. Goodbye, everyone.